0: everybody. Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 123. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual, Ben Fisher. Dude, can you believe it's episode one, two, three,
1: four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12,
0: 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. All right. So <laughs> 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 on to our uh, usual housekeeping. This is our DMU format for well, by the way. So we're kind of saying goodbye to Dominaria United. We've got some new information about the Brothers War, which we'll talk about very briefly at the end. And otherwise, let's get into our usual housekeeping stuff so we can get on with the episode. Our Discord is the best place to be to chat with us and the rest of the Traficionado community. If you're not already in the Discord, check it out. The link to that is in our episode description as well as our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We say it every week, but we really are just beyond grateful for all of you. It's uh, still kind of mind-blowing that people are supporting us through that platform uh, two and a half years yeah, later. Why do
1: they do that anyway? <laughs>
0: Don't question well, it. They might stop. <laughs> 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 Quirks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards that we'll sign and send to you. Uh, so you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. All right. onto our cracker draft type thing. What do you got for us, Ben?
1: I've got a pack one, pick one. A nice one to say goodbye to Dominaria United. First card out is Tangled Islet. That's the blue-green tap land. Solid card, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm happy with all these. I We said it a few times now. I'm not really happy to first pick any of these dual lands, <laughs> but um, you definitely want to scoop them up throughout the draft.
1: Yeah, you got unlucky if you're first picking one, but you're also not that sad about it. Uh, another land in the pack is Crystal Grotto. This is one of my like most improved cards from the format. I'd, I'd actually like exactly one copy in any three plus color deck.
0: Yeah, they definitely have their place, but to your point, it's one copy or nothing. You're, you're almost never going to need more than one of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Volsha Tide Turner, just junk. I guess this is, I mean, we see this archetype printed a lot, right? This, this blue two mana one, three, uh, it's usually a dalkin or a wizard or a something, some blue type. It taps for mana only to cast instant sorcery spells. Just, Not exactly what these decks want to be doing. Next up is Thrill of Possibility. Uh, I've liked maybe playing one of these in like an aggressive red-blue or an aggressive red-white deck. Sometimes you just need to cycle through your excess lands. Or in dire straits, you need to maybe pitch a 5-drop to find land drops 3 and 4. In which case, this is what you want. There is a Phyrexian Vivisector here. Just... You know, I'd call this like a D plus, I guess. Some black white decks will want this more than others, but uh, that's kind of the only home it has. When this thing gets like ten triggers throughout the course of the game, then yeah, it did some work for you. But for the most part, this is just filler. Yep. Jaya's Fire Nado. Some of the less exciting removal in the set. We can hopefully do better than this. Uh, Hammer Hands. We're definitely not taking this card. There's a Gaia's Might. This is probably the uh well this is pretty close with the with the lands. Definitely uh better than the grotto, but this and the islet are probably my picks so far, uh which is pretty bad. But guys might, I mean, this could be one mana plus five plus five. That's that's sick.
0: Yeah, I mean Guy's Might is a card, especially in this format where these aggressive decks, you know, the aggressive decks in this format are weird because they're they can be aggressive early, but then they can kind of, you know hang with the big boys in terms of like stalling out in the late game and then rely on a card like guys might or a few of these other combat tricks or heroic charge or something to just close the game out of nowhere and uh, so you definitely want a copy or two of these in your aggressive decks not a card i'm anywhere close to excited to first big
1: mm-hmm. benelish sleeper in i guess like the mid black white decks and like the not so great black white decks this is just like part of the deck is just like a playable. Sometimes you play it on turn two. Sometimes you wait a little bit and you, uh, you snipe one of their, their late drops in a good black white deck with a lot of recursion, like Frexian missionaries and stuff like that. When were you really popping off with sacrifice abilities and triggers, uh, or where you have other ways to get this back, then this becomes a a powerhouse, right? Then this becomes exactly what you want to see where you've gone wide and your domain opponent, they tap out to play, I don't know, like a Talarian terror and they think they're stabilized. You play this, functionally answering it for three mana, uh, which is pretty much the cheapest way to answer to Larian Terror in the set, right? Uh, and then you just swing for lethal and or a lot. So uh, I really like Benelish Sleeper. Um, it's, it's solid in the black-white decks. Uh, and in, the better your black-white deck is, the better the Sleeper gets. It just plays into the vector so well. Next up, Aggressive Sabotage. Spoiler alert for cards I've never cast in the set, but that's one of them. Uh, this, this isn't really what you want to be doing.
0: <laughs> yeah i don't think i've seen this card cast let
1: alone cast it myself i did die to the kicker once it, it does bolt your opponent <laughs> so yeah that was embarrassing anyway that's all the commons um pretty rough i think i'm taking the islet
0: yeah this is one of those unfortunate packs but <laughs> we better hope that our uncommons or potentially our rare do something better for us but this is a sad pack if we're stuck with the islet here not not stuck with we're gonna play it i mean we're happy to play the islet but Mm-hmm. well
1: don't worry i i didn't just make this the last pack of DMU we were gonna crack for for nothing because next up in our uncommon slot i think i owe a formal apology to sprouting goblin because this card is is pretty great and it just goes really well in all the domain decks uh it, what i didn't think of this as this is a three mana two two that draws you a land I, I just hadn't really thought of it like that i thought this was like a some kind of slow engine for the late game with some kind of land sub theme. It doesn't matter about all that. In the late game, the domain decks can have so many lands. Like, they could have eight or nine lands on the battlefield. Just turn those back into cards. Sure, you're going to draw more lands from this, but then you just play those and you turn, turn those into cards, right? So, uh, Sprouting Goblin, I've actually played one of these in, like, a red-white deck where, again... Sometimes in the late game, you just need a few extra cards and then a two mana 2 2 that can draw you some cards by sacking like your sixth or seventh lands. That's just, you know, a solid way to spend the late game. So, Sprouting Goblin is definitely the pick here by a lot. Let's see if our other uncommons can unseat this. We've got Rada, Coalition Warlord. I don't like Rada that much. She's just a stat beast, right? I mean, just dies to removal. <laughs> Hate to say it, but I feel like she really needed to give that other creature trample or something, or maybe she needed trample, or maybe she needed to be able to give the buff to herself. Just or maybe she needed like an extra toughness or an extra power. I don't know. Just I'm I'm pretty comfortable when I see my opponent tap out on turn four to play this. And that's not really what the aggressive or even the mid-range red white or red green decks want.
0: Yeah, I've never felt threatened with Rod on the board in any real capacity. I think it's she's trying just enough to be playable, but like there's there's a yeah, every single time I've played it, it there's something missing. So
1: mm-hmm. next up, prayer of binding. That's the uh the, the O-ring that costs four. It's the enchantment with a flash. And you gain two life, which is actually uh, that's relevant, you know, that, that life gain can matter sometimes. Uh I love prayer of binding. You know, this answers oh, yeah. any non-land permanent in the set. You know, just no matter what they have, this will be able to take care of it. Uh, it's splashable, right? It just has the one white pip. I believe this is the pick so far over Sprout and Goblin.
0: Yeah, I don't really think it's close. I, I'm just taking Prayer Binding and not looking back.
1: Mm-hmm. I figured this might be up for debate with the with the Goblin because people might say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's like the domain deck. But... Th- The Prayer Binding, that that also goes in the domain deck, and then it also goes in the blue-white deck, and it goes as the the top end of the red-white deck, whereas the Sprouting Goblin is at its best. Its vector most aligns with the domain vector, right? So, I I, I did take the Prayer Binding here, Uh, (laughs) and that doesn't bode well for our rare, or should I say, our mythic. It's the world spell, and I picked this pack because... Honestly, there's just a bunch of rares and mythics and even some uncommons in this set that just didn't matter. Right. There's there's like whole cycles of rares and mythics that had functionally no impact on the format. And I kind of liked it. You know, it was a nice change of pace where like every once in a while you'd have that very niche uh, rare that you would you know take first and you would be able to make it work. Or maybe you'd check your creature count and you notice you have six soldiers. So you take the soldier lord. But for the most part, uh, they just didn't contribute a lot to the format, and I liked it. You know, th- there were less of these uh, just naturally win-the-game bombs. And not to go too Ben S here, but, like, I think the format was better for it.
0: Yeah, let's put a pin in that. I have a few thoughts on that as well, and it se- it, it goes nicely in a particular category that we're going to talk about later. So let's pin that, uh, because I think you're onto something there. All right, on to our fairy Tibble. This is a Roses and Thorns style of segment where Ben and I share a high and a low for the past week. So what's up, Ben?
1: Let me start with my tibble. I have gotten no sleep recently. I'm just so exhausted. Uh, I was telling you a bit before the show, I've, I've got a bit of a problem where I tend to trade my own sleep for like efficient work and like getting stuff done for school. So for example... Uh, I, I wanted to make this really good activity for today. And yeah, I know it got a little last minute, but I wanted to make this really good activity for today. So, uh, I stayed up until like 1am last night, perfecting it. And the students had a great time with it today and it was awesome. And the other teachers are like, Oh, that was pretty great. And it was worth it. Except for the fact that I got like five hours of sleep and, uh, hopefully I'm not going to repeat that tonight. Maybe we should have, a. Uh have an episode about this or something i don't know maybe like a mental magic we'll see now my teferi uh I, i'm i'm finally cashing in for a long needed upgrade i've had the same phone for like six years i think um five or six years at this point point. and i showed zach over the camera my, my case that i've also had since i got it is literally falling apart like this was an outer box and just the the outer layer has just like it it's It's not dry rotted so much as it's like you could just rip it to shreds and it would just it would just fall off. You could probably like a strong breeze, a strong enough gust of wind could could destroy my iPhone case. And uh, at this point, uh, it's finally time to upgrade. So uh, it feels pretty good. You know, I'm excited to not have a home button anymore. I hear that's all the rage.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice. Uh, Which which phone did you upgrade to?
1: Uh, I I got one of the 11s. So not like the most most recent model, but definitely a few generations. So uh, I'm excited to have, I guess, a a good camera on my phone for once. I I won't have to keep asking my friends to use their phone cameras anymore. I'll be able to actually use mine. So it's a, a small Teferi, but you take the wins where you can get them.
0: Yeah, sure. Congrats. My Teferi this week is that I'm moving this week. And you may be wondering why that's a Teferi, but don't worry. It's also my Tibalt because I hate moving. (laughs) It's one of the top three least favorite things of mine. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have to do that, which sucks. But I'm very excited to get into my new place and, uh, you know, actually be able to kind of set certain things up the way I want to and have some amenities that I've I've gone without for the last uh, 15 months or so. Um, Very excited to get into the new spot. So hopefully the, the move itself goes well, nothing breaks and I can, uh, can get, get set up and, and situated before the work week starts again, cause I do work from home. So mm, I kind of have to yeah. deconstruct my office, reconstruct my office in like a very short frame of time. Yikes. Yeah. Fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be something. Um, all right. On to our listener question of the week. And this week, our question isn't really a listener question in, in our usual, uh, term of phrase, I guess, but. So last week, if you caught last week's episode, we did like a little bit of a pseudo mailbag in in that we just talked about a bunch of like spooky autumn Halloween themed sort of topics. One of the things that came up was our favorite fall foods. And I mentioned that I recently made my uh, butternut squash ravioli. And a lot of folks have been asking for the recipe for that. And I will try to type something up and put it in the discord for that because I don't actually use a recipe per se, but I'll I'll describe kind of the process for you here um, so, it starts with the pasta. You got to have fresh pasta, none of the store bought stuff, especially because it's ravioli. So, you have to be able to fill it and everything. And I, I don't, I'm sure you could probably buy like ravioli pasta or something and, and just fill it yourself. But I make the pasta from scratch. I use a recipe that I get on the Food Network's website. But basically, it's eggs, flour, and water. You kind of just mix them together until you get a texture that is roughly pasta textured. Um, I do it with uh, my uh, KitchenAid. So it uses the dough hook and kneads it together that way to start. And then once it's a workable texture, you, you can knead it on a cutting board or something. Um, when you make it, then you, you wrap the dough in plastic wrap, throw it in the fridge to proof or, or, um, you can leave it at room temperature too. I tend to put it in the fridge and then you do the filling and the filling is basically, I just take a butternut squash, cut it in half, clean it out, dice it up, throw it in the, you don't have to dice it, but I do cause it cooks faster, throw it in the oven for about 30 minutes with some uh, salt pepper, just lightly seasoned. And then you let that roast. After it's roasted, you put it in a, like skin it, put it in a food processor um, with butter, cinnamon, a bit of sugar, a um, little bit of uh, aromatics, like some sage, some different uh, herbs and such like that, garlic. And you've that all together. So it comes together nice and smooth. Once it's all smooth, you spoon it into... You roll out your pasta dough, spoon it into sections on the pasta dough, use like an egg wash or water to kind of make a seal, um, seal them together, cut them up and throw them in boiling water. Um, So that's kind of a rough approach to what I do for that. And then while they're boiling in the water, because fresh pasta boils like super quickly or or cooks rather super quickly. It's like 30 seconds and you're done. Um, While that's going, I will get a brown butter sauce going, which is essentially just butter in a pan, throw some sage leaves in there, whole sage leaves, and let it just more or less burn. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't quite let it burn, but browning butter is, is basically you just do that. And then um, the fats kind of separate out and you get like a, nu- a nice nutty smell texture. It goes kind of a dark brown color and you'll see like little specks in there. Keep those in the sauce because that's part of the deliciousness of brown butter. And uh, then you you toss the ravioli into the brown butter sauce with a little bit of the water that they cooked in. When you cook pasta in water, the starches get released, and then you you kind of use that to, as a binding agent to make a sauce later. So, a um, little bit of the pasta water, ravioli in the brown butter, and mix that all together, and you've got a delicious butternut squash ravioli. So,
1: this is just a food podcast now, right,
0: dude? I think we need to do a side, <laughs> like a, a, a side food podcast, but that's neither here nor there. Like I said, I'll try to put an actual recipe together that you can follow and and throw it in the Discord because I know folks have been wanting to see that. So, well,
1: let's get into our main topic, which is uh, well. The Dominary United format farewell. So long, Dominar United. Hardly knew you, to be honest. It feels like this set went pretty fast, but I know that's probably just in comparison to how long we were on streets of New Capenna, which was like an absurd long time. And then there was some alchemy stuff in there that, you know, whatever, we talk about that. But uh, honestly, this set was was pretty good. Um, if, if every set from now on is, is something like this level of good, I think we'll be pretty happy limited players, right? Yeah, for sure. So we're going to go through our our Chaffee awards uh, for various topics, and you know we're curious to kind of hear what you, the listener, thinks as well. So if you agree, disagree, or maybe you have a Chaffee of your own to to suggest, it let us know in the Discord. First up is the Chaffee for the most powerful card in the format, and powerful maybe we could do to define a little better because i mean i put shieldred first but then i stopped and i said wing mental chaplain
0: yeah this is a tough one for this (laughs) set which is fun because it's not usually a tough one most sets we have like a windmill slam card that we just put in this category and we move on Mm -hmm. um this one we do have to define powerful if you're talking about just like a single card that's most powerful i let's put it this way if we're talking about a single card with the strongest vector then like in a vacuum then probably shieldred when you give it support and you're looking at it in the context of a deck, probably Wing Mantle Chaplain, I think. And then also, you know, if you're looking at like 17 lands win rates, I don't, I haven't looked at them yet, but I imagine Wing Mantle Chaplain is probably the winningest card in the set. Don't worry,
1: I've got them up. So uh, if you look at games played win rate, Archangel of Wrath does sit at the top, followed by Shieldred, Squee, interesting, Sarah Paragon, and then Wing Mantle Chaplain, uh, above a good chunk of rares and mythics. So... Uh, these are all pretty close within percentage points. Uh, Archangel of Wrath is 61.2%. Wingmantle Chaplain is at 59.8%. So about like a percentage and a half difference. But still, when I was thinking of powerful, I guess I'm thinking relative to what you might be expecting or relative to what you're used to. Yeah, we know there's going to be powerful rares and mythic rares. But Wingmantle Chaplain could pop off in this set in a way kind of unlike we were used to. Uh, it could create this engine uh, either with just buying it back or flickering it with the golden argosi or anything else bouncing it back to your hand and replaying it there were things you could do with this card that were so unique and could attack your opponent's game plan specifically with a bunch of little flyers but in a way that most decks couldn't really deal with uh in fact i started taking some of the uh like the the minus X minus X effects, like the little uncommon one. I started taking those a little bit higher, you know, uh, especially for best of three games where I knew there's a chance that I run into a Chaplain deck whose win con is smack me in the air with 10 1-1 birds.
0: Yeah, again, I think it's like, there's the question of just where you get in terms of, are we looking at a single card in a vacuum or are we looking at a card that can be supported by the other cards in the deck? And I think it's fair to say that I guess technically, Archangel of Wrath is the most winningest card, but Shouldered feels like the most powerful card in a vacuum. And, and Wing Mantle Chaplain definitely feels like the most powerful card with the support that it needs.
1: Yeah, I agree. Next up, Chaffee for the most annoying card. What do you got for this?
0: Definitely Cruelty of Gix. Like that card is one of the cards, especially because, <laughs> okay, so we've talked about, you know, bombs in a lot of sets where like your, your opponent plays the bomb. And you just like throw your hands near you. Like, I can't win now. You know, there are, there are plenty of sets in the past that we can point to where there have been bombs in the format. I don't think this is really one of those sets. Cruelty of Gix is one of those cards, but the problem is unless you decide to just scoop on the spot, which I don't think is correct. Cruelty takes a couple turns to kill you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you're like, you're looking at this ticking time bomb and you're just like, uh, I can maybe win before this goes off, but probably not. And then I'm just not going to win after the fact. So, uh,
1: so, so, dream trawler it was usually a good idea to scoop while that was still on the stack yeah, you yeah, know? Like that dream trawler you know the game is just already over or like cure our best to see god um the, the game has ended before it hits the battlefield but cruelty of geeks maybe they tutor for a land or something or they misclick or like who knows what they reanimate um it, 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 cruelty of geeks like you said it's not one of those I win the game this turn cards. It's I win the game in like four or five turns. Probably. Kind of cards. <laughs> and that is just not fun to play against. Uh, I actually had Archangel of Wrath on here too, which is apparently the the quote unquote best card in the set. Uh, I put it as annoying because it would get people out of situations that they had no right of getting out of. And I say this. I think I played against it more than I played with it. Just opponents that I had dead to rights. And then I noticed that they have, they top deck a mountain and then I start counting their lands and I go, wait a minute, can they double kick an angel? And then they have it every time. And then somehow they, they kill both of your flyers and then they're stable and then they attack with it. And then they start gaining three every turn. And then you go, what happens? You know, like what happened here? It, it, It invalidated so many of the previous game actions that, I don't know i i, I would it is, it's a it's a sick card it is awesome design uh it's it's balanced for limited and it's seeing a little bit of standard play sometimes in these like funny like white angel decks that are that are standard right now is is it a really interesting spot I, I've been playing a little bit of it um, including some angels decks so uh I, I like angel Archangel of Wrath as a card I think the design is fine, but it's just uh, they just it's have just to fun. have it. it they just have it every time you just you're like there's no way they have the archangel and they always do.
0: Yeah. I would also add Sarah Paragon. F that Mm. card, man. (laughs) So annoying.
1: Yeah. That's another one Um, that falls more into the cruelty of Gix camp where it's like, you know, they're going to replay a thing this turn and they're going to block with it, trade it off, gain two life, and they're going to replay something else next turn. It's like Luris. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically a Luris. right? Yeah.
0: It's Luris, but it's a three, four flyer on its own.
1: Yeah. Angel Luris. No wonder I love this card.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really annoying. Love the art, love the effect, love the card in and of itself. Very annoying to play against. Next up is the Chaffee for best jank. Now, for me, I kind of feel like a whole lot of stuff was was just like janky, but really good in this format. Like domain in and it of itself just kind of mm. feels like a, an archetype or a mechanic that should be janky, but just worked. And I loved that. So I didn't put anything. Yeah. I didn't actually give an award for best jank because hmm. I feel like it's just too big of a tie. Like there are too many cards that could fit into this category.
1: Fair. Uh, the first time I looked at the weather seed treaty, I kind of laughed it off. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was so like, good. Oh, I was like, it makes a one, one. Hood. Yeah. Like I, I looked at this, like, I mean, y- you rarely play a three matter ramp spell, you know, and, 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 and like it just, that just does that. And then that's the only effect it has. And I didn't think that giving a token and then plus X plus X where X is domain I didn't think that was yeah over the course of three turns and then you have the option to skip some chapters like what am I doing three mana for a one one then giving it like plus three plus three or something like I didn't think of this in those terms but it ended up just being awesome. Yeah, it's and just a it good was such card. a swingy card yeah where it could it could punch through for like seven damage early or it could make sure one of your root walls was definitely gonna get in uh, or, or set up like really awkward blocks for your opponent and then the ability to just play on chapter three so sometimes you just break a board stall by giving your five five plus five plus five it, it ends up just being awesome so that that would fall under my uh my best jank but my actual top pick probably my favorite card in this set and one that I'm Gonna try to force into our cube at some point, destroy evil. Destroy evil is such a banger card, and, and it just did exactly what the white decks needed its like common removal spell to do, which was kill a thing that they can't attack through. And it turned out stuff with four toughness tended to be the stuff that it couldn't attack through. People would play a Telerian Terror or a Nail uh, to shore up the ground or the sky. They just, two mana. To kill it. All right. Not the terror. You got to pay a little more, but just for most of this stuff, like a Maya Sojourner, um, just two mana. It's out of the way. Swing for lethal. Uh, I will actually put Talarian Terror on this list, too, now that I mention it, because, you know, that that's just a random like million mana common that you end up mostly playing as a one mana five, five, four, two. And I've seen it in standard. It's seeing standard play, right? Like, that's how good this card is.
0: Yeah, I love seeing commons like this where you just get, like, it, they just seem really just bad. And then you start to play with them in inside limited, and you're like, oh, wait, no, no, no this card, this card has some legs to stand on. And then you start, like, this common is breaking a standard. It's like, okay, they were onto something with this. And sure, the cycle as a whole didn't really have the same effect. Like, some of those fell really flat. Terror was not one of them.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the pauper is looking like, but this is... Like, gotta be good enough for Popper, right? Like, one mana, five, five, word, two.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would think so.
1: Next up, our, well, it's our Chaffee for Chaffiest Chaff. So uh, what do you got?
0: Literally every card in the format that mentions equipment—they're
1: <laughs> <laughs> all well, not, awful. not literally. You can't say literally because Danatha Capuchin does auto equip. Uh, oh, fine. Yeah, Danatha Benalios, hope I think just five mana, four four, first strike, vigilance, life link. That extra stuff about equipment, okay, doesn't fine. even matter. Fine, like that—that that card just but, single-handedly wrecks people.
0: Okay, every card that doesn't do something on its own that mentions equipment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's that one red white rare. Oh, it's so I, I, bad. And it, it, it's always a feel bad because I, I think I've drafted a solid amount of red white in this format. And sometimes pack three, you open it, you see that flash of red white in your rare slot, and you go, Yes, I'm doing it. And, and it's astral, not. bearer. <laughs> yeah. It's the format
0: of 4 4. Yeah, not it. It's the format of 4 4 in this format.
1: Yeah, which, you know, the red white deck doesn't even want that. So, um, I actually put vanquishers Axe up in my chaffiest chap section. Cause again, just really not the format for that.
0: Oh, and that's that I'll just throw that out there. Like that's an umbrella statement over, you know, I said everything that has to do with equipment that includes the equipment in the set, but <laughs> all the equipment's <laughs> really bad too.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I put Volsha tide Turner on here. I just, I can't stand cards like this one threes that tap for mana to cast instant sorcery spells. Like, like, come on, what are you, what are you doing? What's good? like play a two drop that attacks like no come on. no you
0: see it's great because it 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 stays there it's a one three it blocks well and then when your opponent casts something after it's blocked you can counter <laughs> it using the mana off the thing it's brilliant
1: uh <laughs> no <laughs> like just no deck wanted this um yeah you're right i, I put hammerhand on here too we, we actually had a bunch of these in our in our cracker draft type thing now that i look at it uh hammerhand just Again, not the set for it. Uh, I, I laugh when my opponent casts these cards and they lose to them.
0: So next up is our chaffy for the most unexpected Chaff.
1: Yeah, most unexpected. So I, mine is a little bit sad. I, I'm, I'm, I hate to admit it. I'm sad to admit that Timeless Lotus, it's a mythic that says Lotus in it. You know, you want that to be a good card. And I did. I took LSV's advice, just like all of us, where he said early in the format, you should try playing this in five color domain and just see what happens. And doubling your mana on like having 10 mana or maybe more on turn like six can be nuts. And I've had games where I have had a Timeless Lotus and a Jota's Codex in play at once. And that is just that's obviously busted, but it's just not really, it's, it's just a matter it's, it's just a matter rock, you know, it's just a matter rock. So unfortunately I would say timeless Lotus is, is my most unexpected chef. I expected this to be like the thing that took the domain deck from like an eight to a 10. But in reality, I think it's the thing that takes the domain deck from an eight to like a seven and a half.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, I don't think I've seen (laughs) timeless Lotus played
1: you didn't miss much. Let's but, just say that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that there's a reason for that. Um I would probably say most of the lords. I mean the White Lord, like actually there, you know, there are enough soldiers in the set where like it can do a thing. But it felt it felt like all the other lords you just were hurting yourself to put them in your deck. I think the green one, you could kind of make an argument that like, yeah, sometimes it had a place in, in the deck because there are just incidental elves throughout the set, but like the rest of them just don't do anything meaningful and they're Lords. Like it feels like if you're putting a Lord in the set, it's gotta be for a reason, right? Like mm-hmm. these tribes have to be thing, especially coming from previous Dom where tribes were a thing. Wizards was a deck, you know, like we had all these mm-hmm. different, these different Zaperlings things too.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, a time on Dominoi with no saplings. We don't get that very often.
0: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate because it's <laughs> one of my favorite creature types from the format. I mean, we did get Slimefoot Survey, so there's a reference to them, but... And I uh, guess
1: the, the treaty makes a sapling token, but
0: whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, I would say those lords and then also uh, the world spell. I was kind of expecting the world spell to oh. be better, and I was higher on yeah. it than than it deserved. There's probably
1: other rares and mythics that you, the listener, are thinking of when we talk about this category, but I, I I'm okay with that, you know? I think that's just fine. I think every once in a while, if a set has a handful of unexciting rares that just wheel around the table and you cash them in for some gems afterwards, it forces you to to learn how to draft good commons over the rares. And some people that have just been on rare drafting rails their whole life, maybe the set was a wake-up call when they just clicked their first rare that they opened and then they looked at it and they're like, wait, a merfolk lord?
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is actually where I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit, right? Because I wonder... If this is kind of a best of both worlds scenario, we've talked in the past about how like, you know, you can in a lot of sets when you're a mostly focused limited player, you're not really thinking about constructed too much. It's pretty obvious when a card is a constructed plant, you're Mm -hmm. like, no, this was literally just put in the set so it could be injected into modern or standard or EDH or whatever. This set didn't really feel like there were any of those. But there were a lot of cards that just like didn't affect the limited scene. Yeah. And I, I don't know enough about the standard scene right now to know if there were if any of these cards that didn't affect limited made it into standard and are actually good cards there. But if they did, this feels like the right way to do that. Like limited players don't notice standard players can take the cards they need. Everybody can live <laughs> in, in peaceful harmony and enjoy the format the way they want to.
1: You know, I think Saffron Olive is doing a a series on MTG Goldfish where he tries to break every single one of the lords. Uh, the elf one is is nuts. The elf one is an instant four of in every elf deck. The other ones, I think, are pretty solid, too. The <laughs> the soldier one was a little less impressive, but uh, elves have a little bit better pieces than soldiers. Yeah, um, I think you're right. When When rares like this come around, it's... It's going to make some people upset because people like opening fun and exciting and splashy rares. But we've also seen what happens when there are too many fun and exciting and splashy rares that they can kind of warp the format a little bit. For example, in Crimson like that wasn't that long ago. I remember when people were saying there's too many bombs in this format. Uh, we have to give credit where it's due. There's not a lot of bombs in this format that just instantly reshape the game. Even some of the best cards in the set, like Archangel, that is a beatable card. Right. Uh, yep. Wing Mantle Chaplain is a beatable card like I have beaten these cards. Uh, you ever counter a Wing Mantle Chaplain with Essence Scatter? It's sick. <laughs> like It's not that hard either. <laughs> that, that, that's a common. Anyone can do this. Um, so I, I would say that this has been a, a a pretty balanced format and it's also been a pretty fun format. That doesn't happen all that often. Like sometimes the format is more fun than it is balanced or more balanced than it is fun. But here, they're both right about in the sweet spot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with you. More on that, I guess, when we get to our overview of the set. But
1: Next up is our top drafted commons. So (laughs) I'm very proud of my top drafted commons, the set. My top drafted common, 54 copies of Destroy Evil. I destroyed all the evil in this set. That's, you know, that's just how I like to play. I played a lot of white in the set, a lot of like white tokens base, um, I, I've gotten to the point where I feel a little bit of intuition about it. And uh, like captain's call, I think I'm higher on this card than most where I'm okay. If, if my opponent has two creatures, I'm just going to ram 10 tokens into them and just see what happens. <laughs> and I usually win. So uh, it's been working out pretty well. My, my second top comment is Benelish faith bonder with 46 copies. Uh, this is incidental to the fact that I've been playing a lot of white. I don't take this card highly, but I do take this card in case I end up needing extra two drops. Um, but it's not the one you want to play. I will say when you can uh when you can enlist a two-power creature, this is a two-mana three-three vigilance. And th- that can be pretty strong. And my last card, which I'm again very proud of, 37 copies of Maria's Outrider, which I- I've discovered a little bit of a life hack for. This is a Great card in the domain decks, right? Domain plays like two or three of these very happily. Uh, I'll play one or two copies of Maria's Outrider as a top end for my like red, blue and red, white aggressive decks. And I just really like having that five mana, four, four, deal two. Like that is actually what <laughs> that's actually what those decks need sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's. Uh a nice way to close out games and you're just like smack you for a bunch mirrors outrider you're dead mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
1: and the, those decks they need some beef sometimes in the top end like if you're going too wide with tokens sometimes your opponent plays like a two three lifelink and you're like well i need a trick or i need something bigger and mary's outrider is perfect for that
0: yeah i'm curious to. i don't actually recall if 17 lands gives us this data but i would be very curious to see how many times you cast destroy evil
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh uh Let's ping Circovitz on this one that we might have to dig into some data for.
0: Well, in any case, uh, my answer or my Chaffy for top drafted commons is the shrug text emoji thing. Um, Because I drafted most of this format on a different computer than I usually do. And I couldn't get 17 lands working on it and didn't give it the attention. It's not really 17 lands fault. It's more my fault that I (laughs) didn't give it the attention because they're very, very good about getting back to you with... uh, like help and their discord is very vocal about helping people um mm-hmm. i just didn't really put the time and effort into making it work so i lost a lot of data on this set um so i don't really know what I, what my top drafted comments were
1: if you had to take a guess what, what do you think one of them might be
0: <laughs> honestly it might be the vine wall hmm. i drafted a lot yeah. of copies of the vine wall that's a solid one to have so next up is the chaffee for the worst bad card to lose to
1: Oh my God. How I, how I didn't even see this do yours first. Uh, I picked
0: love song of night and day. Cause Ben loves playing that on chapter one to draw cards and <laughs> kill your opponent before they get to cast the cards. Um, and I mostly put this in here just to mess with Ben. I haven't actually lost to this card, but I could, I would be, really Oh, come
1: on. <laughs> this. Well, okay. Um, Here's the thing. Every single time, (laughs) this is is bad, every single time an opponent skips chapter one on Love Song on Night and Day, I say oops. (laughs) 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 Because clearly they made a mistake. No, we actually had a discussion about this in the Discord a little while ago. Uh, it, It is often correct to skip chapter one. And that's particularly when you're playing against a deck with better late game card quality than you as the aggressive deck. First of all, this this card goes only into the aggressive white decks, um, which is a good chunk of them. I don't love this as much in like the black mid-range uh, like white decks. But if you're playing like a red-white beatdown deck, you want to play this on chapter one. Just trust me. You, you really do. The data is there. Uh, and then you don't want to skip that chapter one because you want to draw the cards and you're going to make better use of them than your opponent because you're more efficient. But if you top deck this in like the mid to late game against the domain deck, You don't want them to have extra cards because chances are their cards are better than yours at that stage of the game. So then it kind of flips back on its head where at that point, them drawing cards becomes better for them. Like if you are in a top deck war and you drop this on chapter one, your domain deck opponent is like, oh, goody, I'll top deck my Herborg repossession and like a Bortog bone rattle. And then you're top decking like a two mana two two and a three mana two two flyer. And that's just not a fair match. So be careful with how you use this power, but use it wisely and know that if you use it correctly, you will win a lot of games with the chapter one of Lugs on a night and day. Just <laughs> get off my soapbox now. I
0: was about to say, I didn't realize that I gave you a soapbox when I put this card in here, but you know, good, good uh, PSA for the folks listening.
1: Yeah. My worst bad card to lose to, uh, is actually also funny enough a, a self dig <laughs> at, at heroic charge, which I love playing. But heroic charge, y- you see your opponent, they're playing a bunch of like little dorks, and you're like, Okay, I got plenty of time to stabilize. And then they hit attack all, and you go, Uh oh, <laughs> I better start adding up their power and then multiplying the number of creatures and then figure, figuring out how many. To, uh, it's you know, when you're getting overrun, you know. and when when you're when you're getting overrun it's never a fun feeling you can set up optimal blocks but chances are they aren't even that optimal so this is a it's not a bad card it's just not a good card it's a very niche card and when you lose to it it feels bad this one i don't feel as bad about as i do the angel because i guess i've been on the offending end with with heroic charge more than i have the. the receiving end of it. I've been, I've been killing people with this bad card quite a bit and opponents, I I can only imagine they feel bad about it.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's more safe, more fair to say that this is a niche card, as you mentioned, than a, than a bad card necessarily. I actually love heroic charge in this format because it gives exactly what I was talking about earlier, where those red white decks have that ability to chip in for damage early and then just pause, hold down the fort, not let your domain deck opponents do anything on the, on the ground. And then, Suddenly, heroic charge, swing with everything, you're dead. And that's just a cool little feature to the aggressive decks in this format that we don't typically see in aggressive decks in other formats.
1: Next up is Chaffee for our, our pet card of the format. So not necessarily a a creature you want to have as a pet that's coming up later, but the pet card of, of, uh, of the format for you. What was yours?
0: Probably Soaring Drake. It just does everything you need it to do. It's reliable. <laughs> it's efficient. It's killing your opponent in the air. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It's simple, but it's its everything I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, it's a nice little 2-3 flyer. Uh, my pet card, I, I think I got to go with Cleaving Skyrider. I feel like I never see anybody else playing this. Not mm. really sure why. I mean, I, I feel like I've cast way more copies than I've seen my opponents cast, um, which is in a big part due to my white-red tendencies. But when you attack your opponent with 11 tokens and they're at 11 life, and you flash in Cleaving Skyrider before blocks. It, it's so sick. It's like playing with Ember Cleave all over again. You got to believe in the Cleave. And for some reason, I don't know, I feel like this card just hasn't been getting the love it deserves. I love Cleaving Skyrider.
0: Yeah, you're probably just drafting them all so nobody else can play
1: them. <laughs> I, I am not passing these. Uh A little bit of a combo. I would say a runner up for this Chaffee is Kelden Strike Team. Just oh, yeah.
0: I thought really solid. too. Super solid card. One that I'm always happy to see in my, in my hand.
1: Now here's a fun one. Most disappointing archetype. Was there one?
0: Yeah. I, again, shrug emoji. I don't know. I don't think there was anything disappointing archetype wise. I mean, there were maybe a handful of individual cards that were a little disappointing, but everything's playable. All the archetypes felt fine to play. There was no, uh, band colors destroying everybody kind of thing going on you know we everything just feels good and you can deal with the domain decks and not feel like your opponent is one of the people at your table is drafting um you know five color good stuff and can take every rare everything felt Mm -hmm. very balanced and like you said it was a nice sweet spot between very balanced and very fun
1: i think stuff was balanced so well that i have to get a little niche i think i would say the blue red aggressive vector i think it could have been a a little
0: flat for me yeah i agree i didn't get to draft it as many times as i wanted to Um, so, you know, I might've wanted a few extra samples to kind of have, uh, to talk more about that, but I agree. And in general, I think that I was really excited about that archetype going into the format and I just didn't really do anything with it. So I actually would argue the same for black, white, to be honest.
1: Mm, Yeah. So, and these are the ones that are fine, you know, like blue, red, black, white, these are solid decks. Um, they, they just don't, Maybe they don't go quite as big mode as like the, uh, the domain deck or they don't kill you quite as fast as red white. So they don't seem as efficient, but these are like balanced solid decks that if I told you, you're, you're about to play a really good black white deck. You're not yeah, that you unhappy good. about it.
0: Yeah. You still feel fine. Next up is our Chaffy for creature you most want as a pet. And for me, that would be Phoenix chick. Come on. Shocker. You guys saw this coming. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question. Does it, like turn into a real phoenix at any point or is it a phoenix chick but but here's the thing like gameplay wise it's a chick and when it dies it comes back as a chick and then when it dies it comes back as a chick i don't think it ever actually gets the chance to like grow into a full-size phoenix
0: yeah flavor wise i would have to say that the joke there (laughs) is that it dies before it ever like it dies too early and never gets to grow up because like in in most phoenix lore they they have to grow like they're reborn as a baby chick again and then they grow up and then they get they die of old age or whenever they die they die and then they are reborn so yeah i guess it's this thing just dies too fast
1: (laughs) it's kind of sad and also kind of really funny if we play it for a comedic angle which looking at the art of this card it's clearly funny like th- this thing yeah. doesn't care if it lives or dies it's just running around having a good time
0: it does make me feel like there's design space though for like a phoenix chick s creature that's a phoenix but it, it starts off as like a one one and every turn it gets we've seen like a I i think the ba- uh the zendikars the more recent zendikar set uh had a fledgling i think or a hatchling or something that did this where like it would landfall to get flying and then it would pick oh, up yeah, counters yeah. every turn or something i think there's room for a phoenix that's like starts as one one maybe it's like a two or three mana one one but every turn it gets a counter mm. and so like it dies it comes back as a one one and then it has to accrue counters again and then it's kind of like it growing up i think there's design space for something like that
1: you heard it here first wizards you got to pay us for this one uh, I, I would, this is a bit out of a left field, but I would go with tide pool turtle. I know I'll, i usually go for like a, a, big, cool something or other or something cute and cuddly, but tide pool turtle. Have you looked at this thing? It no, has a cool. Like yeah. I was going to say,
0: I feel like that's super you. Yeah. The only thing that's so, missing is like, you know, 10 foot waves that you can surf.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That and like a nice cool drink on the, like a, like a refreshment stand nearby. So uh, this tide turtle, I can just take a nap in this thing, have it lounge me around. Um, guess it can swim too. I don't need it to be fast and apparently it can scry. So I guess maybe I, I can ask it for my future or something like that. I don't know. It, it seems like it'd be a cool dude to have around. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is cards never cast. Lots of rares for me this time, and a few sad ones. I never got to cast Children. Uh, I never got that experience. Uh, I've, I've played against it a handful of times, but I never got to play the Defiler of Flesh. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Phasing of Zalfir, the blue one. Shadowright Priest, the uh, the Black Lord. I never got a Jaya either. Um, same with Urborg Lorgrith. I never got their Uh I passed the opportunity to play Silex because. I just didn't really feel like it. And, uh, the, the blue gin, I don't think I got around to that one.
0: Okay. I did get to play the blue gin. Really good card. Um, yeah. hard to, lo- hard to lose once you've cast that card, but it is possible. It's another one of those rares. That's not just going to end the game. Um, I didn't get to cast most of the defilers. I think the one I was most looking forward to playing that I never got to play was the green one because that card just feels so easy to snowball with. Mm. Uh, shielded as well. Never cast shielded. And I didn't get to cast any of the planeswalkers. I never drafted a single copy of any of the planeswalkers in the set. Hmm. Uh, also, Karn, Squee. yeah, Squee would have been fun.
1: Karn was much better than I gave him credit for. Uh, I actually really enjoyed playing with Karn in in the uh, domain decks. Uh, it could be bad outside of that if you didn't have the right support. But um, again, I, I've apologized to Karn a few times. I, I own one more. Sorry, buddy. You, you're pretty fun.
0: Next up is our Would You Rather Chaffee, this this time around. Or Would You Rather is Would You Rather draft only DMU for the rest of your life, or only draft Dom for the rest of your life? Now, unfortunately, this might be a question that that the listener doesn't really know because dom is a rather old set these days but i think i'd rather draft dom um i think i just jived with some of the some of the archetypes and vectors better in dom Mm -hmm. the the blue red wizards deck felt a little more what i want to be doing with blue red decks the sapperlings deck was just so amazing like i would draft the sapperlings deck for the rest of my life no problem but it's pretty close i think dmu is a really enjoyable format i'll be happy to come back to it later uh, and i don't think i'd get old get tired of it very early in terms of like the draft experience i think there's still plenty of things to do
1: yeah i agree i kind of wish we had more time with this set i i, I agree it's very close i think i lean towards Dominaria united i really like these white archetypes there's a lot of cool stuff to do in, in original dom but you know esper had a bit of dominance there and uh dmu i wouldn't really say there's like a color imbalance i think things are pretty pretty relatively equal across the board here but i just really love this white vector this go wide uh destroy evil uh take up the shield lightning strike your opponent to death like make a million tokens i've been having a lot of fun and then you know that's just one this is i've just been The astute listener will notice that most of my cards uh, that I picked for this are from the red white (laughs) deck, Oh yeah, but I I really love playing domain too. Um, I'm a big fan of playing with nail and Tatiova and and like Erborg repossession. Marius outrider was one of my top drafted commons that, that didn't just happen by accident. I've been playing a lot of them. Um, I I think I lean towards DMU, but I'm I'm curious to hear what the listeners think of this one. Maybe we could do a poll of some kind for those that have uh, played both formats.
0: Yeah, I I've, I don't think I'm too surprised. I don't recall Dom having much of a red white presence. And you're you've definitely made since Dom, which is kind of interesting because I think when, when we when Dom was the standard set, uh you were still more of a green black mage. Yeah. And you've yeah. you've pretty handily shifted to red white. I I think it's safe to say that black and yeah. green have taken a back seat. Uh um,
1: yeah. I think I I think I've definitely become like primary white aggro. I don't yeah. know what else falls around that, but
0: yeah literally whatever's good if you, yeah like you're playing white cards and then if there's a good supporting color that's what you're also playing mm-hmm. is what it seems like except for blue i feel like white blue is still <laughs> something you don't want to touch. this one evades me
1: but i do like raf so that's fair well it's time for our last thoughts on the format overall this is good <laughs> you know like uh everyone likes it i haven't heard many complaints i would give this probably like an eight out of 10. But there's lots of fun vectors. And the fact that this is a vector-based set too made this just really fun. The fact that there was enough uh, fixing and splashing ability that you really had to draft your vector, right? You had to pick your game plan, figure out what your cards were doing, and then help them do it to the best of your ability. So that, that kind of made exploring this format, whether through drafting, deck building, gameplay, it made it I feel like a little bit easier for us than maybe the average magic player because we have vector theory. Um, Hopefully the listener got some of this intuition as well, that that when you're thinking about this in terms of vectors and like what your cards are trying to do, it's easier than if you had just like, say, tried to throw together a a blue-red deck out of good blue-red cards, and then you might have wound up split between the aggressive and the uh, the reactive vectors.
0: Yeah, and I think in previous sets, right, to that point, uh, in previous sets, we've heard, you know, this is a synergy-based set, so you have to draft with synergy in mind, and that gets you part of the way there. But the, that, the question from there on is like, okay, what does that mean? What does drafting sy- with a synergy-based strategy look like? And that's where Vector Theory kind of fills in some holes. And I would also say that I think a lot of the sets that handle this sort of thing that are built on top of a synergy-based drafting strategy in the way that the set is designed, they're frequently kind of kneecapped by the fact that you can't just play all the colors. Mm. Like you, you hit a wall at some point where you're like, "Well, I'd like to take this other card because it would fit really well in this deck, but I don't have the yeah. mana to cast it." Domain opened that up here, so we no longer mm. have those restrictions, and you can you're just kind of free to explore everything, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, you could have five color walls, five color go wide. Uh, there, there's options. You could have a whole deck based around one copy of Wingmantle Chaplain, which great Six about copies. it if you will, but <laughs> <laughs> it ends up being a few extra. But yeah, it, it's it's a unique aspect of this format. And I think this format was better for having wing mental chaplain. it. I think it would be a worse format without it.
0: Hot takes, hot takes, but I don't think I disagree with you. And, uh, I think, I think another thing just to kind of cap our our final thoughts on the format, I am very pleasantly surprised at how well they managed to make domain work from a balanced perspective. Again, I think snow was a little too unbalanced. I, it was more balanced than I originally gave it credit for. In hindsight, but I think it's still, Domain still did it better than than the Snow stuff did. So next up, not really Chaffee, but what are we looking forward to in the next set? We've got the Brothers War right around the corner. I mean, time travel's cool. We're going <laughs> to see some of that stuff. I'm excited, frankly, just to go back to an era of Magic that really neither Ben nor myself and not a lot of Magic players have been to because, mm-hmm. you know, the Brothers War itself actually happened in terms of set release time, you know, almost three decades ago. So a lot of folks weren't playing magic then. And it's going to be really cool to kind of see a recap and retelling of some of these old things with references to old cards that people haven't seen in ages or um, maybe never saw, but are ridiculously powerful and they'd never reprint. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be really cool to see some of that stuff. I mean, I I know how exciting it was the first time they printed an Urza card, you know, and he hadn't had a card yet. And it was just like, oh, that's so awesome. This is going to feel probably very similar.
1: Yeah, I was hoping they would just take the uncard Urza's severed head and put it in the standard, but I guess we're not getting that now. What I do think that we're going to get, I, I'm, I'm, this is a hot take, maybe. I want to see the Urza lands in standard. I think it'd be sick.
0: Were they not confirmed? I thought they were confirmed to be in the set.
1: Wait, were they actually?
0: I thought they were. Oh,
1: I, I, I feel like they're. I don't know. Okay, well, either way, <laughs> uh, I, I'll put that one down. If that is true, then I'll, I'll feel pretty good about myself. Um, or maybe I'm lying about all this. This is just a bit so people think I'm clever. I don't know. Would I do that? (laughs) You don't know me. (laughs) But but, anywho. um, Yeah, I'm excited for this time travel shenanigans. I started reading the story. It's it's pretty interesting so far. Uh, A lot of these characters from back then, these names that you've heard, like Taunos, uh, Zantcha, these creatures that have shown up maybe in supplemental products that we know exist. We know they're legends for some reason, but we don't really know what they did or what part they played in the war. And I'm excited to have this uh, conflict between Urza and Mishra because... uh, You know, they're complex characters. They have whole novels written about them, right? These are characters with established lores, established motivations, uh, established wants. And I'm excited to see what our current era of magic can do with that. Because to be honest, the gameplay has been delivering. You know, we've been getting some good limited stuff, some good cards. Um... The supplemental team stuff about like all the lore and art and flavor and and even the cinematic intros—they've been delivering too. Uh, and like they've been pulling people in, and I think the, going back to the Brothers War, I'm excited to kind of get pulled into this era of magic that, like you said, we haven't gotten to experience yet.
0: Yeah, it's also likely going to feel. well, and maybe it won't, because again, I don't know too much of the lore from the original. The way the original Brothers War telling happened but um it it might be a nice little break from the phyrexian stuff before we get like really thrown into a lot of the phyrexian stuff after you know with the sets coming after uh the brothers war um so that might be a little bit refreshing too
1: there's gonna be a few phyrexians back then but they're gonna look pretty different than they do now yeah we're not gonna have children and all them
0: right yeah yeah we would i mean it's it's pre-new phyrexia it's obviously going to involve the phyrexians because that's half the reason teferi's going back in time to check out that whole thing in the first place but um yeah i don't know i think i'm hoping it's going to feel refreshing Mm -hmm. uh
1: something i am hoping for uh giant robots we've had those confirmed uh in kind of the art demo there's going to be some sick looking robots in this set some not so much so like the mechas like we had in uh i guess in like uh, kamigawa but more so like Iron Giant type war machines. Not that Iron Giant was a war machine. Saying that would be a gross misinterpretation of the Iron Giant movie. But uh, I, I'm talking like towering, massive metal behemoths designed for war. That's a better interpretation of the Iron Giant movie. Maybe some of them will turn out to be pacifists. How about that? Um, that maybe we'll get like an actually. Maybe we'll get like a Neon Genesis Evangelion reference. I'd be I'd be pretty stoked about that. I doubt we will, but uh, a guy can dream.
0: Also, just gonna cap this off with i am thrilled that the mad lads over at wizards gave us the set symbol or not the set symbol but the set uh acronym of bro
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah bro it's gonna be so good bro
0: yeah you want to go draft some bro bro
1: (laughs) oh god (laughs) let's let's wrap this up
0: (laughs) well uh if you want to chat all things brothers war and (laughs) talk about the lore, the cards. We're going to be getting tons of spoilers soon, as, as Wizards is want to do, so check out the Discord. It's the best place to be for all that. Link to that is in the episode description, as well as on our Twitter page. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And if you'd like to find us outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week.
1: Later, bro. Okay, before we go, uh, I, I did something this week that I haven't done in a long time. I bought a concert ticket, wow. which is just... That, that is something that it's been a while, uh, before the pandemic, I used to go to a ton of concerts, uh, for the listener. I listened to a lot of like, I guess we'd say like indie rock, indie pop, that kind of thing. Uh, and I found out that one of my favorite bands, the 1975, they're on tour. They happen to be playing in Camden, which is pretty close to me in like two weeks. And as it turns out, several of my friends are already going. So I just snapped up a ticket right away, not looking back. And in a, in a similar, uh, Vane, I don't know. Did you see that there's a new music festival in Atlantic city, which for the listener is very close to where we're from. Zach and I are from like, maybe like 20 minutes outside, 25 minutes outside, like Atlantic city in South Jersey. Did you see this festival?
0: No, I am not a huge fan of live music Get because <laughs> look, I, I do, I do appreciate the concert vibe in, in and of itself, I suppose, but I'm like, borderline an audio file and like the drop in audio quality at a live concert compared to a recording just bothers okay, me <laughs> it okay just, you're it not just added
1: for me. the for the audio quality's sake right so yeah but i'm too introverted
0: link. to be there for any other reason
1: okay okay that's fair <laughs> i guess i'm the exact opposite then <laughs> click, click this link though you got to see some of these bands so right. the headliners are blink 182 and paramore which i'll admit okay that might be a bit more uh like 2014 than that i yes. tend to be i'm excited to hear hayley williams i've never heard paramore before but um bleachers Lying, is you mean. another of my favorites
0: you've definitely heard paramore before You're not just not. oh live. no
1: no like like live i mean yeah, i've yeah, never yeah, heard okay, them live okay. before i've never been to a bleachers concert before so very excited about that uh japanese breakfast i'm excited to hear front bottoms i haven't heard before beach bunny uh motion city soundtrack haven't heard these ones before. Always wanted to happy fits. I'm a huge fan of Seen them like five or six times already. That'll be great. And then it's always fun to discover some of these random smaller bands. Oh, I just noticed Slaughter Beach Dog. Oh, that's going to be great. Um, and then a bunch of these other ones, uh, there's a band called hot milk, uh, and Oxymorons. I don't know what they are, but they have fun names. So they'll probably be good.
0: Yeah. I, so I'm looking at this, this list. I literally only know three bands on this list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which would maybe be a good reason to go, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I would, I, I don't, yeah, I don't typically do live music, well, but see, this, this is this cool because it's very close. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, this is a festival in Atlantic city. Super stoked for it. It's going to be a great time. So uh, to the listener, my question for you is what kind of music do you listen to? I don't, we, we haven't really had this discussion pop off in discord. I, I don't think, at least not in ages. So I'm curious, uh, would, would you come to this uh, as the listener? Or is this a, uh, it's just mid,
0: Oh, also, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to ask if they're <laughs> going to go, uh, you should know it's on the beach because. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's Atlantic City. So uh, the whole festival is on the beach. So, fun.
1: All right. Now, later, bro.